0: Father, we thank you. We thank you once again, O Lord. We come to your throne room of grace. Father, you alone and you alone have the words of life. Father, where where else can we go? Father, speak to us this morning. Father, through your word. Father, whatever is of you, Father, let it bring forth fruit in our lives and whatever is not of you, O Lord, it will just fall to the ground in our lives, O Lord. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would anoint us even as we hear and anoint each me even as I speak, O Lord. And give us hearing ears and willing hearts to obey, O Lord, whatever has been spoken to our hearts this morning. Keep us from the evil one. Let the word not be stolen away, O Lord Father, by the birds of the air and the fowls of this, falls of the air. Not even the cares and the deceitfulness of riches, O Lord. Let it not choke the word, but let it bear fruit in our lives, O Lord Father. Be, speak a blessing, O Lord Father, over the preaching and over the hearing of this word. Anoint us, grant us authority and unction. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Okay. I was studying about holiness and uh, last Sunday we studied about the knowledge of the holy, um, and last Wednesday we talked about pursuing holiness. Uh, Romans chapter twelve, sorry, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fourteen, which says, "Pursue peace with all men, and holiness with God, without which you will never be able to see God." So that's been the uh, the, the 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 burden, I believe, of the Lord through the last week uh, and we will continue on that, try to strengthen whatever we have learned uh, over, the, over the last one week particularly. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, it says, "Fear the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That is the knowledge of the Holy One. That is the most important thing in our lives. Everything else is in our lives is built upon the fact that God is holy. God is holy. Is holy. What does it he mean? He's separate from his creation. Absolutely, the other. Okay. A.W. Tozer, Tozer in his book, "The Knowledge of the Holy," he, this is what uh, he has to say. It's very powerful. He say he asks this question: If you take an earthworm, a man, and an angel, which is closest to God? I mean, I know people who are in the Romans Bible study will know the answer. Yeah. If you take an earthworm and a man and an angel, which is most closest to God in terms of, 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 of being? The answer is none. They're all set apart. God is other absolutely set apart from his creation. That is what it means by being holy. It is not just moral purity or he's righteous. Everything, every attribute of God that we have been studying over the weeks and over the days flows from this fact that God is holy. That means he's not like us. He's not like man. That's what he says. He's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. This is a foundation. No, that is the reason why uh, Psalms 11 verse 3 will say, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If what if the foundations, what is the foundation upon which our life is primarily based is based on the foundation of the fact that God is holy. So important for us. I mean, this particular uh, sentence, I was, I mean, I was struck when pastor was talking about this in in in, in, in our fasting and prayer on second Saturday, last month. The foundation on which our faith is built is the fact that God is holy. If he is not, you know, the question is, how can a holy God forgive sin? How can he? How can he? A.W. Tozer again in that book, um, the, The Knowledge of the Holy, he says, a very powerful statement. He says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. What is that? Our mental image of God. We, we tend who is God to us is what we base our entire life upon. What we built upon, the foundation on which we built upon is who is God to us. You see? It's a very important question we need to ask ourselves, no? That is the reason why. He says, what do who do men say I am? He asked Peter. Some say, Elijah, I'm sorry, Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets, some say Jeremiah. And he says, who do you say I am? What is your understanding of who God is? What is your understanding? You know, when you talk about pursuit of holiness, one of the things that many people think is that it is stifling your, you know, your pleasures. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That is primarily the image that people have. Holiness? Oh, I should not do this. I should not enjoy life. Yeah. When we say pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which we we cannot see God, we think, "Okay, oh, we should not do this. We should not do that. We should not do that." But the point here is pursuit of holiness this is what I coined. Okay, and this is a phrase that I believe. God gave me in my heart. Pursuit of holiness is not the killing of the desires given by God. Notice that? Pursuit of holiness is not the killing of the desires that have been given by God, but finding fulfillment of those desires in God. That's the pursuit of holiness. Psalm 16 verse 11, it says, You you will show me the path of life in your presence. You see, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, holy pursuit of holiness is not like, I should not do this, I should not watch TV. No, 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 no. It's not that. Pursuit of holiness is not killing of our desires. Pursuit of holiness is the fulfilling of our desires given by God in Christ, finding them in Christ and in God. That's remarkable, it's remarkable. No, yesterday I was talking to uh, the the young people in the in the youth meeting. I asked them one of the children I asked him, "What is your favorite rice or food? what is your favorite item? You know think about pleasures that you all enjoy. Food is one of the pleasures. I said, "What is your favorite f- item?" And he says, "Item name, what is your favorite It's not a menu. What is your favorite dish?" He says, tomato rice." Not biryani, thank God. He says tomato rice. I said, "Wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting dish." I said, "Okay, fine. Because you enjoy tomato rice and tomato rice, and it f- gives you a kind of fulfillment, I'll give you tomato rice for breakfast today, and I'll give you tomato rice for lunch. I'll also give you tomato rice for dinner. Fine. How many times did I give him tomato rice? Three times. The next day morning again, tomato rice for." breakfast, tomato rice for lunch, and tomato rice for dinner. How many times? Six times. Seven weeks, I do this, seven days in a week, I do the same thing. How many times I've given tomato rice? 21 times, and the next day he will come, you give me anything else but tomato rice. Think about it, no? Think, think, think about it. Think about it. Think about a pleasure that you enjoy. Whatever the pleasure that is coming to your mind now. Experiencing that pleasure at the 10,000th iteration. (laughs) How will you feel? None of the earthly pleasures have the capacity to fulfill the desires that God has given you. None. None. So if people say, pursue holiness, it doesn't mean stifle your desires. No, 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 no. I am giving you something else where you can enjoy and fulfill your desires. Amazing. I'm I'm reading, uh, because Pastor James gave me, I graduated, by the way, from this library to the next library, okay? All of you who want to graduate from this library to the next I already graduated, and I went to his library, and I said, okay, Pastor, that book, I want to read. Take it and read. C.S. Lewis, the first book I'm reading now, C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Look at what he says. This is C.S. Lewis. In this book, Mere Christianity. Creatures are not born with the desires unless satisfaction for, the, for those desires exists. A baby feels hungry. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most logical and probable explanation is that I was made for another world. No relationship can give you the satisfaction that God can give you. No food, no sport, nothing. Nothing on the earth. So if you are a true Christian, your hope is not here. Your hope is there. That is hope. You are hoping for eternal pleasures at the right hand of God. And fulfilling them all eternity. Boy, I can't can't even imagine, I mean, just think about it, imagine infinity, can you? No way. I mean, I I like songwriters when they make mathematical statements. We we sung Amazing Grace this morning. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise then when we have first begun, it's a mathematical statement. Do you realize that? Infinity minus 10,000 is equal to? Infinity. That's what it means. We've been at 10,000 years and we've been joining God. We've just begun. Whew. Want that? That is what he's saying. Seriously, he's saying, you know what? When I'm talking about pursuit of holiness, I'm not trying to stifle your desires. I'm saying I'm challenging you to find your fulfillment and joy in an eternal God who can give you pleasures forever. That is what we are talking, uh, talking about today.
1: So when you say, oh,
0: I should not watch TV today. <laughs> Come on. I should not watch this program. It is not what you cannot do, what you can enjoy in God. That is the point. Why? The entire creation is subject to futility. God did that. This is what it says in Romans chapter eight verses twenty to twenty four. look at what it says. For the creation was subjected to futility. Okay, So creation was subject to futility means all of us, the entire creation was subject to futility futility by whom? Not by themselves, they didn't say okay fine from today onwards we will disintegrate, no no they didn't say that. Not willingly, but because of him, he did that, that is God who did it, because of him who subjected it in hope, What? Why? Because the creation itself also will be delivered. Now you know, so many people are talking, are praying for deliverance. You need to understand something. As long as you are here in this earth, it is impossible that you will be completely set free. No. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from its bondage to corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Think about the birth pangs, no? I mean I, I remember when I went to the labor room with my wife. Oh, first almost like 16 hours, close to. Baby's coming. Not coming. Baby's coming. Not coming. Baby's coming, 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 coming. Not coming. It's like a intensity of the frequency keeps on increasing. And that's, there's a, there's a machine over there. It goes like that. And then I, it just became a part of my mind and I'm driving my car. It just became a part of me. It's like birth pangs. It's coming. You see how things are the intensity of the happenings of the things on this in this world how it is how things have changed over the last 10 years even in india did we ever think that we'll have smartphones and we can swipe money and send money over atl bank and paytm and what have you how things have changed i can't even imagine 10 years back how things have changed even in our country spiraling out of control spiraling For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs even until now. Not only that, not only creation, we also, he's talking about Christians, he's not talking about the people in the world. He says, we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves as we eagerly wait for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Oh Lord, I want to enjoy that freedom, Lord Father. I want to enjoy that freedom. I want to enjoy that I want to enjoy. That is a hope. For we, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen. Is not hope. For who hope? Hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see. We eagerly wait for it with patience. For a Christian. Holiness now. Enjoyment later. Lot of people want enjoyment now. Holiness, later. No, 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 no. What we call as, in English, delayed gratification. Okay? Delayed gratification. We, 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 we apply that principle in our, I want a car. What kind of a car? Oh, maybe a Icon, Ford, whatever. Three lakhs. I can get a Maruti 800. No, 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 no. Let's struggle with our auto. Save up money. Save up money, save up money, and then after you have patiently waited, go and buy an icon and we enjoy, we think, but it's not what, I'm just giving you an example. But you know what he is talking about, he's saying, you know what, what a car can give momentarily, and it is lost when one scratch, scratch comes, you can enjoy corruption free enjoyment. Literally. That is the reason why we pursue holiness. Because it's absolutely liberating. You see. The more you become holy. The more you become like God. Be holy. As I am holy. And you know what? I am the freest of all the creation. You want to enjoy liberty? Be like me. Be like me. That is the reason why we pursue holiness. Okay. I hope now. I've given you some positives about holiness, but then a the second thing about holiness, which I want to mention before we go into the meat of the message. Pursuit of holiness is also something which searches because God is holy. It says in the book of Isaiah, I think it's chapter 30, it says, who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? Amazing. Who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings, meaning God is a consuming fire, and if you want to enjoy God, you need to be really fired up and deal with certain issues in your life. He searches, he searches, and he shows and pinpoints areas in your life which which need change, radical change, if you will, look at what he says in Exodus chapter three verses five to six, then he said, "Do not draw near to this place is the angel of the Lord telling Moses at the burning bush." Do not draw near this place. Amazing. The bush is on fire, but it has not been consumed. <gasps> and, and he says, boy, the bush is on fire and it is not consumed. I want to see this marvelous sight. And when the Lord sees that, he turns aside to see this marvelous sight, he says, take off your feet. Take off your sandals, off your feet. Why? Because the place where you are standing, his holy ground. Moreover, he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses. Hid his face. You need to understand when you are confronted by the holiness of God, you will not be able to stand him. It's everlasting burnings. His, his, his eyes will look through and see through the hidden motives of your heart. Like an extra, I don't know, like an x-ray. Maybe just goes right there to the hidden gut of your motive and says, why do you have that in your heart? That's exactly what happened to Sarah. Sarah laughed where? In her heart. She didn't even express it in her face. What do you love? It's a, it's, it's a searchlight. And that is the reason why people, it's, it's, somebody said, you know, it's like an irresistible force. It draws you to himself, but also you want to run away from the presence, but it's sh- so attractive. At the same time, so scary. It's what we call us, uh, theologians call it the trauma of holiness. <laughs> Think about it, no? Uh, when you go to, how many of you have been to amusement, amusement park? There's a park here in Hyderabad also. What is it called? Wonderla. Have you seen all those? Those machines? I looked at it. I want to go? No, 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 no. And some of the people go and they scream that they want to come out. Why did you go? I mean, I'm just giving you an example of, I mean, that's a very, very, very simple example, but you get the idea. That is, it's a searching. He starts searching. You want me? You want, you want to enjoy pleasures? But let me deal with your heart first. You need to be like me. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. I mean, during the course of this message. This is what happened to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 7 to 8. And I, Daniel, uh, alone saw the vision for the men that were with me. Saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them. So that they fled to hide themselves. They ran away from this vision. And Daniel was left alone and I saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me. And look at this. He says, For my comeliness, what I thought was good in me began to become corrupt in the presence of the Holy God. Began to become corrupt in the presence of the Holy God. That's amazing. And look at what he says and this is not specifically by... Uh, this is Isaiah after he wrote five chapters. Which chapter does come after five? Uh, fifth chapter, five chapters, six out of five. This is what he has to say. So I said, What is me? For I'm undone. You know what this word means? I am disintegrating. That's what it means. Have you seen a think about a shirt, okay? Shirt has got several stitches, right? There's a seam over here. There's a seam over here. There's a seam probably here. Okay? And then what happens is that there's an incredible tension. All the seams are coming apart. That's what he's feeling. And what does he say? My lips are unclean. I dwell in the midst of people who are unclean. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The lips. 313 will say every part of your lip, lips, the most sensitive part of your of your face. See? That gets exposed. But what is God's desire? What is God's desire? See, God's desire from the beginning is that He wants to dwell with His people. From the beginning. That he wanted to have that relationship with you. And he wants to dwell with you. That was his desire. We never desired God to dwell with us. No, we didn't want it. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They were having an incredible time of fellowship in the Garden of Eden. And one day they sin, and they said, Lord, we don't want your presence. We don't want it. But God's desire is that he wants to really, really, really be there with you. So in Exodus chapter 25, this is what he says to Moses. He says, Exodus chapter 25 verses 8 and 9. And let them make me a sanctuary. That I may dwell among them. I want to dwell among my people. I want to have this intimate relationship with my people. According that, according to all that I show, that is the pattern of the taban- tabernacle and the pattern of all these furnishings, just so you shall make it. Meaning, I'm giving you a pattern. You have to make it exactly the way that I show you. Why? Because I want to come and dwell among the midst of my people. I want to do that. I want to enjoy their presence and I want them to enjoy my presence. That is God's desire. So what happens when they do it, when they complete and complete this uh, building, the tabernacle, which was not very good to look at. It was full of badger skins. It was, when you look at it, what is this? Cubicle. Oh, it's very strange-looking thing. You never, you know, that's exactly what 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 it said about what it said about Jesus. There is no comeliness or beauty in Him that we should desire Him. But you know what happens in Leviticus, though, chapter nine, verse twenty-three onwards. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the meeting, and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out. And consumed the burnt offering and, and, and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. They could not behold the glory of God. It's amazing. I mean, think about it now. Think about it. If this kind of experience happens to us in the church. But we see, the, we see and behold the glory of God. Do you really want this in our lives? Because God says, you know what? I want to dwell among a people who are holy. That's God's desire. And it, it continues after this is, after 480 years later, now the people have gone to the promised land, now David wants to build a, build a temple, God says, you can't build, I'll, I'll give you the blueprint, blueprint, and David gets the blueprint, and he acquires all the things that he needs to build the house, and he gives the blueprint to his son Solomon, and Solomon builds the house, builds the house of the Lord, and this is what happens on that, after the dedication, after the prayer. This is 2nd Chronicles chapter 7, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord had filled, God, filled the Lord's temple. And what happens? And what happens? When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down. And the glory of the Lord in the temple. They bowed their faces to the ground. And on the pavement. And worshipped. And praised the Lord saying. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. You cannot just Stop praising God when you see the glory of God. You will just fall flat on your faces before God. That's amazing. That's God's desire. Now, you know that it didn't continue. Over a period of time, The glory of the Lord departs from the temple, and that's exactly what happens during the time of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is being is being shown the vision of what the priests are doing in the secret places of the temple, how they're worshiping all these unclean things, and the glory of the Lord slowly, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, comes out and goes to the to the to the outer courts and to the and and to the and it just keeps leaving the presence. I mean, uh, the keeps leaving the temple, never to come back again, and then even when they come back and rebuild the temple, they all weep and cry and they say, you know what? Some of them, they say, the glory of the former temple was better than the glory of this temple. And they all are weeping. Some are worshipping, some are weeping. And then Nehemiah says, don't worry about that. A day is coming when the glory of the Lord, which you see, which your forefathers saw, it will be incomparable And that was a promise which was given to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 14 onwards. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up. Prepare the way of the Lord. Take the stumbling block out of the, out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who's inhabit, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who has a humble and a contrite spirit. You know what God is saying now? He says, I don't want to dwell in temples made with hands. I want to come and dwell among you. That is what my final destination is. I want to be like that. I want to be in the midst of you. I want to be in your heart. And of course, this gets fulfilled. When Jesus comes, John's Gospel chapter 2, and this is, this is when, then, when Jesus makes the whip, and he, he chases all the money changers out of the, out of the temple. <clears throat> remember that? And then, it says, my house is called the house of prayer, and you made it into a den of robbers. And the disciples look at it and say, the zeal of the house has consumed him. They remember that, uh, that verse from Psalm 69. And the Jews really get upset with the whole thing, and they come and ask him, John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus said, Destroy this temple, and three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. You see, people always never got Jesus' message. Never. He used to show them a sign. Destroy this temple. Three days I will build it. 46 years. And you are saying, three days? Unless a man is born again, he shall not see. How can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? They don't get it. If you drink of my the water which I give you, you will never thirst again. You don't have a bucket to draw water. That's how many people are. They don't get it. You know what God's desire is? That he wants to dwell within you. This is what in Acts chapter 17, Paul tells the people in Hill. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man anymore. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And nowhere is he going to live. He wants to live in a temple, which is you. He wants to come and tabernacle Inside of you. David Wilkerson calls it the fourth tabernacle. (laughs) The first tabernacle in the wilderness. Second second tabernacle at Jerusalem. Third tabernacle, Jesus Christ himself. And fourth tabernacle, the ultimate destination that God wants to come and dwell among his people. And inside each one of us. Each one of you. Each one of you. That's his goal. That's his ultimate destination is the heart of man. So, this is what he tells Peter in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, "What do Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And today, let me ask you something. Who do you say that Jesus is? You need to ask that question to yourself. Do you know the answer? Do you know the answer to that question? Do you know? Is it just a theological answer in your mind or is it an experience in your heart? Oh, Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, that is that is an answer by root. But is that an answer by experience? Is just really in your heart. Is He all to you? Is He really your Lord? Or is he only your savior? He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peters answered and said, you are the Christ, not a Christ, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father which is in heaven, And I also say to you that you are Peter, a stone and upon this rock, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That is the promise that he has given to Peter. This is the promise to the church that the, that the powers of darkness, how much ever they try cannot overpower a real son of God. No way. No way, no way. That is the reason why sister I was praying. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every lying tongue that is going to raise against in judgment, we shall condemn. Why? Because this is our, our heritage as the servants of the Lord, not because of our own righteousness, because our righteousness is of him. Is of him. You are the Christ upon this rock. This is the revelation. Who do you say that I am? And upon that rock, God is going to build his church in your life. Do you know that? What does it tell me? Every person in the New Testament has to have a personal revelation of the Christ in their lives. Otherwise you will never be able to build a temple for him to be dwelling in. You are the Christ. That is a revelation. That is the rock on which he is going to build the church. And he says to Peter, I will give you the keys of kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why? Why? Because your life is built upon a personal encounter with the Christ. With the Christ. With the Christ. What is it? What does it mean to have an encounter with the Christ? What does that mean? What does that mean? To really really have an encounter with the Christ? Who is this foundation in other words? What is this foundation? Who and what? Same. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. Chapter 3 verses 9 to 11. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and you are God's building. Did you get that everybody? Who is God's building? You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it. But let each one of one take heed how he builds on it. For, why? Because no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What is this foundation? Still the answer is not given. What is this foundation? And who is this foundation? Let's probe a little more. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see that? Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a what temple? Ah, holy temple in the Lord. And then in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place, this word, a tabernacle of God in the spirit. He wants to do that. But what is the foundation? Christ Jesus is the foundation. And what are the other foundation? The teaching of the apostles and the warnings of the prophets. But who is this foundation? What do you mean by this foundation? We'll talk about this foundation a little. First Corinthians, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. See, don't get distracted in this. This is need to really, really exercise the faculties of your mind. See, praise and worship is just not singing. The most ultimate form of worship is listening. Did you know that? You know why? Because while praising and worshipping, you are speaking. And God is listening. While preaching, God is speaking. You are listening. So who should get more amount of time? You speaking to him or he speaking to you? You got that? So which is the most intense form of worship therefore? Listening or speaking? Listening. Q-E-D. Hence proved. You see, that is the reason why James says, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. You want the righteousness that God requires, be slow to speak, quick to hear, quick to obey. Okay, children, it's very important. No, this is the most distracted generation. I know I've seen uh, a bunch of you from age 3 to age 22. No, so I know what I'm talking about. And even, even age beyond 22. A lot of elders are also so dis- distracted easily. Look at what he says, the foundation. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you, what? Stand. Got that? By which also you are saved. If you hold fast. I mean, I love that Noah. Boy, you need to hold fast, saints. It's just not God holding you. You need to hold God. That is the reason why he says, You are God's building. If you hold fast, the confidence even until the end. Hebrews chapter 3. Hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you have believed in vain and it's quite possible many people believe in vain. You know, because you don't hold fast. Look at what he says. For I delivered to you first of all that, I, that, that which I also received that Christ. Look at that. No other foundation that can be laid other than Christ. What? Christ died for my sin. The son of God died for my sin according to the scriptures and that he was buried And rose again, according, on the third day, according to scriptures. Meaning what? It says in uh, Romans chapter 4 verse 25, who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for our justification so that he can bring us to God. It says in uh, Peter, first Peter chapter 4, he says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous so that he might bring us to God. Who was put to death in the flesh? What was made alive in the spirit? He was died once, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God, and upon. This foundation upon this foundation that we can never ever be a part of the body of Christ unless we have the assurance in our hearts that our sins have been forgiven. The question is, do you have that? That is, that is what, that is what I mean by having a true encounter with God. So many people, they have a lip sync with God, but they don't, they never have been convicted of their sin. They never said Lord. They have never genuinely repented all of their lives. No. They've only said a prayer. Repeat after me. You could have said that even in your baptism. Have you repented of all your known sins? Yes. But what was that repentance? Did it change your heart? Did it change the way you think? Did it change your decisions? Did it change the way you spend your money? Did it change the way you spend your time? Has it wrought some fruit which was made of repentance in your life? Or otherwise, it's just a shallow repentance, my dear brothers and sisters. And so many Christians are building a building, a huge building on a shallow foundation. And you know what is going to happen? One day, there is going to be a flood which is coming. There's going to be a rain which is coming. And the building which is built upon a shallow foundation, that will be exposed and it will just fall to the ground. It will fall to the ground. A man of God said, adversity does not show who you really are. Adversity shows who you are already becoming. So, friends, you're already there. It just exposed you, showing you that your foundations are very, very, very shallow. So many, so many, so many believers—they don't have a strong footing. So, there's a shallow foundation. Okay, that is the foundation upon which he's going to build. First Peter chapter two. As we come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 3, verse 36 will say, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. And how can you be, how can you come to God when his wrath is against you? Think about it. How can you come? How can he make you a part of that building? So honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders have rejected has become a cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, And a rock of offense, they stumble because they do not obey the word as they were destined. And God is building a house. Building a house in each one of our lives. Coming to him and we are all living stones. We are not just stones. We are living stones. You know, think about it, no? You know how the the second temple was built? The stones were brought from the quarry. At the building site, there was no sound very quiet. In the quarry, tang, tang, chak, chak, tang. And you know what? So many of us are living stones in the quarry. And God is taking the hammer of the word of God and tang, little bit of pride over there, tang, little bit of lust over there, anger, bitterness, Shaping you nicely in the quarry and you, and you, and you're wondering why you are going through so many situations in your life. You know why? Because you are a living stone, not a dead stone. You are in the quarry and God is shaping you so that you can, you can find your rightful place in the body of Christ. That is the reason why so many of us are going through trouble and we are resisting the work of Lord. Why Lord? Why me Lord? (laughs) Why me? Why me? Why me? you know what he says from Amos you only have I known among all the nations of the world and therefore I will punish you for your sins think about it now. if you have a Christian student and a non-Christian student both of them copy who gets caught Christian will get caught without a doubt it happened all the time with me if I wanted to do something, I will get caught. You know what? And if I was not caught, I come to church. That day, the word will be specifically for me, for my compromise. And God will show. And you know what happens? No peace in your heart. All the time. You know A Christian can never be comfortable innocent. Never. Never, 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 never. You will be caught. That is the reason why he's told, it's very easy to remember. Numbers 32, 23. What is it? 32, 23. 32, 23. 32, 23. Okay. Be sure your sin will find you out. What is that? Be, or is 2332? I'm not sure. I, I think it's 3223. Numbers 3223. Okay. Be sure Your sin will find you out. You can never escape. Especially if you are God's child and if his hand is over over your life. You can never escape. I promise you that. I will promise you even now. And it will be more severe upon you than any other person. Okay? I remember John Piper's son. His name is Barnabas Piper. Like that word. Barnabas Piper. Born in a Christian family. Okay. He knew all the Christian ethics. But you know, really, he was really not convicted in his mind, no? He went to work, he was dishonest in his workplace. And because I believe he was John Piper's son, he lost his job. I mean, amazing. He can... I was a hypocrite. He told, I mean, it's, it's on the, it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on the, in the, it's, it's on the, in the internet, you can just go and look him up. His testimony. How he was dishonest and he lost his job. And I believe this will happen to God's people and God's children. If you are dishonest, you will lose your job. I promise you that. You know why? Because he wants to make you your what place? Dwelling place. But how can he be with the people who are dishonest. No way. No way he has to deal with you. Never forget that. That is the reason why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. Do you not know? Excuse me. This is six. can I just give you a minute, please? Just give me a minute, if you don't mind, please. Oh. What happened here? Oh, just give me one minute. I've just lost here. Do you not know that you are That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit Within you Whom you have from God You are not your own You are bought with a price So glorify God In your body Okay So how do I glorify God in my body Question today, how do I make myself a dwelling place for God to continuously dwell? That is what I'm going to do. Five things. Five things I'm going to point out so that I can prepare myself for to be a dwelling place for God. To be a dwelling place for God. This is First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. I'm going to show you the five things, so pay careful attention. So this is found in Second Corinthians chapter 6 onwards. <clears throat> five things to ensure that you will be a dwelling place for God. Five things. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Four. A no, list of five rhetorical questions. If you have answers to those five questions every day of your life, you are continuously preparing yourself to be a dwelling place for God. First, for what fellowship has light, or has righteousness with lawlessness? First, check your fellowship. What communion has light with darkness? Check your communion. What accord has Christ with Belial? Check your agreement. We'll talk, we'll talk, we'll see what that according is. Or what part, part has a believer and unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? So look at this five things. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God? With idols, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Five things. Question: What fellowship? What communion? What accord? What part? What agreement? Five things. Five is interesting. Five is a number of grace. Amazing. Five things. If. You want to appropriate or rather make your temple a dwelling place for God to dwell in five things. What he's talking about? First thing, what fellowship? Also called as partnership. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Question is, either you are on the side of righteousness or you are on the side of lawlessness, but you are never in the middle. Got that? So how do I know that I am actually in the side of righteousness and not in the side of lawlessness? God will give us an answer. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You know, so many people will actually fall out of love with God. That is the reason why C.S. Lewis said very powerful statement. He said, Love is not an emotion. It is an act of will. It is never an emotion. John Piper goes one step ahead and says, marriage is not being in love. It is keeping covenant. That's a completely totally different thing. It is not about just being in love. Because the initial feeling of love will fall away over a period of time. If you are married for any considerable period of time, you know what I'm talking about. If you think that your marriage is very good, I will ask your wife. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Question, how is your love for God today? Is your heart on fire for God? Or have you lost that fire? That is the reason why, you know, one of the, one man of God said, I want every preacher to be a burning bush. They have to see him on fire and his, that he's not being consumed and when they turn aside to see they can also get fired up the same way that Moses was fired up. That is the reason that Paul says, you know what? I, we are workers together with him for your joy. Second Corinthians 1.24 I am working together with him for your joy. I am working because joy has to be worked upon. It is not automatic because righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. How is your love for God? And that is the reason the indictment against the efficient churches. You have lost that first love. That devotion is gone. What fellowship has light has uh, righteousness with lawlessness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, look at what he says. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate, say everybody say hate, hate. That's the point. You see, when you say think about a feeling of hatred that you have towards somebody, think about it, think about it. You see, all everybody's automatically gritting their teeth, you're thinking about that person. That's exactly what God is saying. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you are loyal to the one and you despise the other. It is a question about love, saints. You can never serve two masters. No way, no way. I mean, you can forget about it. It's, It's so difficult to multitask, you know it. But we are a multitasking generation. That's the reason why we are the most inefficient generation. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 to 9. This is what he says about Jesus. But the son, but to the son he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have, look at that, loved, say, everybody say, loved righteousness. Say that. Loved. And you have what? hated iniquity. Do you have a hatred for lawlessness in your life? Do you really, really have a hatred toward lawlessness when you see sin in your own life? Do you hate it with all of your life, with all of your heart, or do you secretly admire it? And that is the reason why I love Pilgrim's Progress. Remember, faithful? Faithful, you know, oh, the Pilgrim is asking the question to faithful. Tell me about your story. He said, in my story, I met an old man. You know what was his name? Adam. Oh, Adam was the old man. He had three daughters. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And Adam said, you can marry all these three and they can give you nice, nice goodies. And then you know what happened? Faithful said, no, no. I rejected Adam and I kept running away from Adam. And even as I was running away, somebody was chasing me. Who? Chasing me with a whip. And who was that person? Moses was chasing me with a whip. And he came and he started flogging me. And I'm asking Moses, why are you flogging me? Why are you flogging me, Moses? Because secretly in your heart, you desire the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And you said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? And Jesus comes and saves him. Secretly. You know what? This is the uneducated John Bunyan who can articulate some of the most intricate truths in deep down inside of our heart in such a beautiful way. Do you desire? Do you really love your sin? Or do you hate your sin? Do you hate your anger? Do you hate your impatience? Do you hate your lust? Do you hate your sin, my dear brothers and sisters? And that is what is going to determine if you really love God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with what? With Oil of gladness. You know what? You have exceeding joy. You know why? Because now you're saying, Lord, I don't want to take pleasure in momentary things. I want to enjoy eternal pleasures. And instantaneously, God gives you that exceeding joy and you'll start enjoying him even here. Even here. Even now. Ask Paul and Silas. Backs are beaten. Everything beaten. But exceeding joy. Why? Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. If for my name's sake, if you are being beaten, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Great is your rejo- reward in heaven. They started rejoicing. Romans chapter 6 verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. You see that? So now present your members as slaves of what? Righteousness unto what? Holiness. You have to. What do you mean by that? You mean, what, what do I mean? Let's, let's go on. Again, he's, he says in Romans chapter 6 verses 22-22 20 onwards, he says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I mean, you didn't, never had a desire to be righteous. What fruit did you have in the things that we are ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Think about it. Are you really, really happy about the things that you enjoyed? Really? Are you ashamed of it? Are you really enjoy it? Think. For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. Why? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So how do we do this? How do we deal with this? How do we deal with this? Jesus gives us a way to deal with this. Matthew chapter 5 verses 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? It doesn't say, turn your eyes. You know why? Because again you'll turn back. Take a knife, take a knife and take a pin and Got it out. That's what it means. I mean, in other words, be so ruthless with sin in your life. That is the reason why it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God is, is proceeding or you're extending or is proceeding by violence and the violent take it by force. What does it mean? It does not mean that people without eyes don't sin. Or don't lust. Or one man of God said, people lust with closing both their eyes. Happily. He's not talking about that. But be so conscious about the fact that you love that sin and ask God, Lord, make me hate it, Lord. Make me hate it. So how do you do this? How do you do this? Practically, how do you do this? This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. 2, 2, 2, 2. How many twos? Four twos. Okay? Very easy to remember. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. Flee youthful lusts. Pursue what? Righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Meaning this life of fighting sin is not sitting at your home and saying, okay, I'll fight my lust, I will fight my... No, 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 no. Come to church. Listen to messages like this. Get fired up, get ashamed, go back home, cry out, cry out to the Lord. You got that? Love righteousness, hate lawlessness. Even as you do it, slowly, progressively, your your heart, your body will become a temple for the Lord to dwell in. You got that? First thing. Second, what communion, the Greek word, koinonia, has light with darkness? What communion has? Light with Darkness. John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. For this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. But men loved darkness. They love it. Oh, They enjoy darkness. That's what it means. They enjoy doing things in the dark. They love it. When nobody is watching, they derive pleasure out of it. The men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Again, you see, it's a love-hate relationship. You either love righteousness and hate lawlessness or you hate righteousness and love lawlessness. Either you love light and hate darkness or you love darkness and hate the light. No middle ground, saints. No gray areas. It is binary. It is either a one or a zero. Period for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. What does it mean? People who are transparent and people who are not pretenders, they are absolutely clear about their life. They don't pretend. They are honest. They are honest. They don't say, they don't, They're not one thing at home and one thing at church. They're not one thing at office and one thing at home. They're not one thing at college. They're not one thing at home. They are the same everywhere and you can see through them. Do you have that kind of an attitude? If you have that kind of an attitude, if you're really transparent, meaning what? You love light and you hate darkness. Otherwise, you love darkness and you hate the light. That's what it means. Think about all the secret sins you commit. Young people, think, think, think. When nobody's watching you. When nobody is watching you, that is what you really are. Not when your father or your mother or your boss is watching you. That is exactly who you are. That is when you really know whether you love righteousness or you love darkness and you hate the light or the other way. way. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. And let us all read the thing which is underlined in italics. God is... Light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have communion. Other translations will use the word fellowship. But that is the same word. Communion with him. And walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light. We have communion with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our uncleanness and our sin. God is what? God is? Light. Fish beget fish. All right. Rats beget rats. Dogs beget dogs. Humans beget humans. Light begets ah light begets light. If you are a child of God? You are like him? Exactly. You are what? Light? Hey, you are going too much into, I mean, just prove me from Scripture, brother. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 onwards. For you were once what? Not in darkness. You were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Walk as what? Children of the light. Baba, if God is light, what should you be? That is the reason why you saw the early morning devotion today. Pastor said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are light just like your father. There, is, there should be nothing hidden about you. That's what Jesus told the Sanhedrin. He said, I did everything in the open. Whatever I spoke, I spoke in the open. For which one you are putting me to death. Everything was in the open. Everything about my life is open. Walk as children of light, of the light, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring it to light, saints, whatever is of darkness in your life, bring it to light, bring it to light, bring it to light. You know what, Jesus, there is that's what he says, this is the condemnation. The son of man did not come to the world to condemn the world. No, 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 no. But to save the world. But this is the condemnation. But that light came into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. That is the reason. that, That is the reason why you're condemned. You feel condemned. Not because Jesus is condemning you. Because you do not want to bring it to light. Because you love the opinion of men than the opinion that comes from God. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. And one day whatever is done in secret even your thoughts the thoughts that you thought every secret thought will be exposed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that or has it become a cliche because you heard it so many times in JDC? Do you have the fear of God? For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. So how do we do it? How do we do this? You know, I, I see that. No, even in our, in our culture, especially, we like to hide everything. No, when the matches come about the girl and the boy, everybody wants to hide, 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 hide. hide. They show They want to show the best possible you. And what happens to marriages? Because they are based upon false foundations. There is no truth in marriages and therefore they will fall apart after a while. Because it is not built upon the foundation of truth. No. Because you have hidden and hidden and hidden. So what does scripture say? James chapter 5 verse 14. Is anyone sick among you today? Let him call the elders of the church. How many of you really call the elders of the church? and explain your problem? You know, one man of God, his name is Watchman, he said very interesting thing. He said, when you are in a pastoral position, you should be able to listen to people. Listen to what they are saying and also listen to what they are not saying. Ah! Listen, (laughs) who is sufficient for these things? But if you're really a man of discernment, you come to Pastor James, he'll show you experiments. (laughs) He will listen to what people are saying and he will, like Sherlock Holmes, deduct what people are not saying and he will show you, this is elementary Vijay. My name is Vijay, Dr. Vijay. He says, elementary Dr. Vijay. Dr. Watson, right? Elementary. Be very careful. When you come to the pastor, what are you saying? And what are you not saying? Actually, what are you not saying is a problem. And how we like to camouflage general with generalities. Please pray for such and such a person. He's going through a tough time. Why? Something he did. We don't want to bring that to light. You know why? Because we love darkness. We love the approval of men. We don't love deliverance. So he says, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins. (laughs) Because in other words, if the sickness is because of sin. They will be forgiven. And he says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Bring it to light. Saints. This is difficult. Oh, easier said than done. But if you really desire that your heart and your body should be the temple of the Holy Spirit, you will say, Lord, bring it out, Lord, bring it out, bring it out, bring it out. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to pretend. I mean, I I like, that is the reason why, you know, I love men of God who are honest, even after they became big in the ministry. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing this because this is on the open forum. John Piper, he was, he, he was being interviewed by a, a couple of guys and he says, how is your, how is your family life? He said, I did, all, I, I did all that I could. But you know what? Two of my children don't believe. He has four sons, actually. Four sons, one daughter. Two sons don't believe. And he says, two sons don't believe. And every time I go to the pulpit, and my heart is broken because two, two of my sons, they don't Honor and respect what I preach. He's not boasting and said, all my children. No, 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 no. I love that. And you know what he said? He told the elders, do you want me to step down please? Wow. Every time he says, if you're really in an eldership position, don't hide things that are going on in your marriage. Tell your elders. Tell your, your people whom you're accountable to. Because I can pray for you. Because it's not about reputation, saints. It's about your heart and your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Confess your faults one to another. I like honest people like that, humble people. You know what? I know that these people I can follow. You know what? They don't, they're not showing off what they are not. They're telling people, you know what? We are fallible in spite of that God has still used us. I said, you know what, I want to follow you. You know, God who dwells in eternity, whose name is holy is going to dwell in your heart because you are humble and contrite. He's going to dwell in your heart because you have that spirit which can contain him. The infinite holiness and majesty is contained in vessels which are humble and contrite. That's remarkable. Next one. What concord, what accord, what accord has Christ with the life you know what the word in 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 Greek is? Symphony, music. Look at what it says in Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 19, chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you are in accord in symphony, okay, on earth concerning anything that may that they ask, it will be done for you, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Symphony. He's talking about two agreeing. He's not even talking about two or three. He's talking about how many? Two. If you spare, I mean, I, I shared this sometime back in the church. But spare a little bit of Hebrew, okay? Just spare a little bit of Hebrew. Show you something very interesting. Man in Hebrew is called Ish. Ish is man. Aleph, Yud, Shin. If my Hebrew class was here, they would all know what I'm talking about. That is man. What is woman? Ishah. Because she was taken from man. It's very interesting. Aleph, Shin, and He. When God created man, or other humans, he created them how? Male and female in his image. So he put a part of him in man. He put a part of him in woman. Okay. So, this is youth in man. He in woman. Both are common. Elephant and shin are common. You see that? Okay. What is Yud and, and He? It's Yah, means Yahweh. You got that. So when a godly man and a godly woman come together, and if they are in true fellowship, who is inside of them? Yahweh is there. Ah, now comes the very interesting point. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man, Ish, (laughs) take fire, okay, in his bosom, and his clothes not be burnt? Well, We'll see what it means. Ish, is a man, he has a what? Youth. He takes fire, What is it not having? It neither has a hey or a yud. That means no relationship with God. You got that? Okay. If a man takes a person who is not in having a relationship with God, what is he taking? Fire. Okay. Now you know why firecrackers keep coming from a home. On that particular day, either the man or the woman or both have become fire. And what happens to the house? Boom. Be very careful whom you marry. Know for a fact that she loves the Lord and not you. more than the Lord. Otherwise it's fire. Can a man take fire? Question Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? So answer the question. Answer the question. If a man takes fire in his bosom, his clothes will be burnt. What is clothes symbol to? Do? What is clothes symbol to? Righteousness. righteousness. Every part of your body which is clothed with the righteousness of Jesus slowly will be beginning burnt. Burnt. Be very careful, saints. This is the most important decision in your life and don't mess it up because it's not worth it in your life. There's nothing called as I fell in love. It's momentary. It's only God who loves. It's God who loves. And we have, you know what, that's the word agape by the way. The word is agape meaning unconditional love. You know that right? You know what, God loves us unconditionally. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so agape the world, unconditionally loved the world that he gave his son. You know what, you know what man did? Man loved darkness. What is the word, again, love there? Man agape darkness. He loved darkness unconditionally rather than light. That's what it means. It's not worth it. And then they say it is love. It is not love. It is just only eros, which is only temporary. It is not. Because marriage is not about being in love. It is about keeping covenant. It is about keeping covenant. How can you live with a person who has no covenant with God? There's no sign of covenant with God. How can you be with that person? How can you be with that person? No wonder marriages fall apart. You know why? Because one or the other decides to walk away from the Lord. Why do they walk away from the Lord? It is because they find their sustenance not in the, not in God but on the other person and the other person will always disappoint you. Always. Always disappoint you. It is only God who never disappoints. Even though we are unfaithful, He still remains faithful. What can God therefore? That is the reason why Proverbs will say, Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. I like that word, eyelids. You know, have you seen that movie Jungle Book? How many of you have seen that movie Jungle Book? I mean, the last song when Mowgli is, uh, Bagheera and uh, Balu are, Bagira says, go on, go on. And um, uh, Balu says, come back, come back. And she starts singing a song. Mother's cooking in the, sorry, cooking in the house. Father's cutting in the forest. And I have come to fetch the water till the day I am grown. She sings a song. And then suddenly she, she looks at Mowgli. And one day I will grow up. I will have a husband of my own. I mean, I will have a husband, I will have a handsome husband and a daughter of my own. He will go to the forest and she will, I will, I mean, she will go to fetch the water. I will be cooking in the home. And she looks at Mowgli and she does that. That's it. Tarrang! He falls into the water. You know what Balu says? He is hitched. I mean, that is just love. With your eyelids. And he says, don't lust after our eyelids. In your heart. Every cartoon, it's the eyes. You've seen Aladdin? (laughs) The eyes of the princess attract the guy. Look at what he says. For for by the means of a whorish woman, a man is brought down to a piece of bread. And adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take Fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt. Answer, clothes will be burnt. You want to keep, see, holiness comes at a high price, saints. That is the reason why God, uh, Jesus says, if you don't hate your father, mother, wife, your children in your own life, you cannot be my disciple. No way, no way, no way. They'll bring you down one day. They will bring you down one day. Next, what part? What part has a believer with an infidel? Acts chapter 8 verse 8 to, 8 to 13. But there was a certain man called Simon and before, and which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out himself was some, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying, this man is a, is, is the great power of God. And to him they gave, they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also and was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondering and beholding the miracles. And then what happens? Oh, they're all here that Philip is baptizing a lot of people, and Peter and everybody come, and they lay hands on these people, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Simon observes that. Ah! Take this money, give me some power. Look at what Peter says. Very interesting answer. But Peter said unto him, your money perish with you. Because you have thought that the gift of God can be purchased with money. You have neither part. You see that? You have neither what? Part. You have no part or lot in this matter for your heart. And he'll tell you why you don't have a part. Because of your heart is not right with God. Your heart is not right with God and therefore you have no part with me, with us. You don't have a part with us because you what is not right with God? Heart is not. What is wrong with this heart? We'll talk about that. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven. For I perceive that that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. People full of bitterness and anger and envy. They have no part. They have no part with God. Are you bitter? Are you anger? Are you angry? Are you full of iniquity? Are you really, really, really envying somebody else's position and positions of authority? Is there a sense of competition inside of you? Or are you sold out to God? That's the question. What part? Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken will come upon me. You know what he's talking about? I don't want the consequences for my sin. But he will never repent. You see that? Never repent. Finally, coming to the close. What agreement? What agreement? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. James chapter 4 verse 4 will say, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you, yearns jealously, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. In other words, God is saying, you know what? If in your heart, apart from me, you have any other person in your heart or thing or a carrier or what have you. Think about it. What is your prayer today? Many people wrote their prayer requests. By knowing your prayer request, we know or you know, we not we know, you know where your heart is. Is it for the kingdom? Or is it for some idol of yours? You know, it's very interesting. In Second Kings chapter seventeen, verse thirty-three, you have to, you have to, you can go home and turn there. Second Kings chapter seventeen, verse 30, thirty-three, it says, "They fear God and they serve their own idols." Interesting. They fear God, but they serve their own idols. That is the reason why when Jeremiah was looking at those people who came to the temple, he stood outside the temple and he said, don't say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. No, don't say that. Don't say that. You, will you commit adultery? Will you commit fornication? Will you commit all kinds of things through the week and on Sunday morning you come and say, oh Lord, we we worship you and we praise you. We have been delivered to do all these things. Will you say that? Has my house, is, is it a house of prayer? How has it become a den of robbers? He's asking that question to many of us today. Do you really, really are zealous for, to fight sin in your life? To fight every idol of, idol which takes his place in your life? Are you, are you saying, Lord, this is, you are there, Lord. Nobody else, nothing else. Not even a position of leadership or authority. No way. You and you alone. Luke's gospel chapter 20, 14, 26 and 27, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not, w-. look at that, look at that. Everybody say that? Hate. Hate. Hate his father. That is the reason why so many people get offended with Christianity because it says, how can you hate your father? How can Christianity call for hatred for father and mother? Jesus says, if you hate, if you love anybody more than me, you actually hate me. Does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 16. From that time onwards, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And you know what he says? Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow. That is the reason why preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is unto us who is being saved. It is the power of God. And he says in the last days, a lot of people will be the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. who God is their belly and who glory in their shame. Matthew chapter 16. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses in his own soul? Think about it, saints, today. Ask, Lord. Ask the Lord. Lord, am I completely sold out to you, really? Am I sold out to you, Lord? Or do I really have idols? That's the reason why, you know, Ezekiel will say, Ezekiel chapter 14, if any man comes to the prophet with an idol in his heart and asks him to pray over me, I, the Lord, will deceive the prophet and will answer him according to the idol in his heart. Because he has put a stumbling block before me. But God wants to dwell with us. And if you really, really start desiring this way and you say, Lord, no way, Lord. I am for you, Lord. Because I know you are for me. You are for me. God is for you, saints. God is not against you. That is the reason why I told through prophet Jeremiah, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future and a desired end. Not now, in the future, in heaven. fight. Fight all these things in your heart and make your heart a dwelling place. And this is a, that is the reason why you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He does it for you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. That is a promise. That is the reason why Paul says, forgetting things that have gone behind, I take hold of that thing for which Christ has taken hold of me. And I don't give up. I love that verse. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. Verse 1 onwards. Now I saw a new heaven. And a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And there was no more seed. It was a transparent glass. You know why? Everybody has come through this process of pruning. And you can look at those people. Nothing to hide. Everything transparent. If you put one light, it will go through them onto the other side. Everything clear under the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing to hide. Also, there was no more sea. Then I saw, I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying,
1: Behold,
0: what? Behold, the tabernacle of Who? of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain for all the former things have passed away. They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto the death know why? Because they knew there's something more beyond death. Eternal pleasures in the presence of God. Where God himself will dwell with them. Do you desire that today? Do you desire that today? And are you searching in your own life? Are you searching? Searching and searching for another promotion, another hike, another place, another job, another what have you and you're never content. Look at Roger Federer. I don't know what is going to happen to him after he retires. I think he'll go mad. Not Rafa, because he's got Rafa Nadal Academy, okay? Something else. You see, they'll go mad. They'll go mad. You know why? Because they're looking for temporal. You know what God says? Seek ye first the kingdom where? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things will be added to you. But what we do, every time pastor says, you seek the things and you expect the kingdom to come. No way. No way. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Therefore, store up yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, nor thieves come in and steal. This morning, I hope the message has spoken to your heart and you are really saying, Lord, I want to pursue holiness, O Lord. I want my heart, my heart, my life, my family, my the things that you've entrusted into my hands to be an extension of your hands, your arms, your eyes, everything. Let them be an extension, Lord. You will dwell with me. You will walk through me, O Lord. Grant me grace to that end. If that is your prayer, stand up this morning. Stand up this morning in the presence of the Lord. Stand up and say, Lord, Father, I want to enjoy eternal pleasures, O oh Lord. Pleasures at your right hand, saints. That is something you can only experience. It is inexplicable. It is something which you yourself have to enjoy and ask God to give you. And God is never going to throw pearls before swine. If you don't desire it, you will not have it. It is a question of desire. It is a question of where your heart is. What you love and what you hate. Do you love righteousness and hate iniquity? Do you love darkness? Or do you hate darkness and you love light? Where is your heart this morning? Ask God to deal with your heart. That your heart will be a dwelling place. Of his Holy Spirit. Oh Lord. This morning we come to you. Oh Lord. We humble ourselves. Before your mighty throne. Oh Lord. I pray. I believe. I have communicated. What you have laid on my heart. To to your people. Beginning with me. Oh Lord. Father. So many of us. Oh Lord. We are fearing you. And we are worshipping our own idols. Lord. We have our own idols. Oh Lord. And we fear God. And we worship them. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a singular determination, oh Lord, this morning. That you and you alone. Oh, Father, as the psalmist says, oh, Lord, Father, whom I have in heaven but you, O oh Lord. There's nothing on earth I desire beside you. My heart and my strength, they may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Oh, Lord, let that be. Let that be, O oh Lord, the desire of our heart. Oh, Father, if there are no desires, Father... To that end, I pray, Lord, you would create those desires in our heart. Because we we in ourselves don't have those desires, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would come and speak from the youngest to the eldest, O Lord. Show them a taste of heaven, O Lord. Show them a taste of how it is to walk with the Holy One of Israel. O Lord, the joy and the delight to please you. Oh Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, that will truly, truly be the cry of our heart this morning, oh Lord. That we will not seek for anything less, oh Lord. Not anything less, not job, not money, not relationship, not marriage, not financial. Oh, Father, will desire you and you alone, you and you you alone, oh Lord. Oh, Father, grant, you say, delight yourselves in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart, oh Father. We have nothing good apart from you, O Lord. Apart from you, there is nothing good in us. Our goodness does not extend to you, you O Lord. You are our hope. You are our salvation. All we can do is cry, O Lord. All we can do is cry, O Lord. Cry to you, O Lord. Cry to you this morning. Jesus, Jesus, visit, O Lord, your people. You know every heart this this morning, O Lord. Who is... Truly seeking. So many of them failing, but seeking you, O Lord. You know them, O Lord. Who have tried and failed, O Lord. You're telling them this morning, keep on trying. Keep on failing. Keep on trying. But one day, victory will be yours because you have, you have not trusted in yourself, but you have trusted in the Holy One of Israel. Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. And we were Your joy, O oh Lord. We were Your joy, O oh Lord. Father, enable us to joy in you, O oh Lord. Enable us to delight in you, O oh Lord. Enable us to g- g- delight spending time with you, O oh Lord. Enable us to spend our money in your kingdom, O oh Lord. Enable us to spend time in your presence, O oh Lord. O oh Father, that you, O oh Lord, will be the preeminence, O oh Father, in all things in our life, O oh Lord. Even as it, that's the promise that you've given to us as a church, O oh Lord, I pray, Father, that you grant us grace to that hand, we pray, O oh Lord, this morning. We cry out to you, O oh Lord. We cry out to you, O oh Lord. We cry out to you. I cry out to you, O Lord. Beginning with me, O Lord. Let there be a consistent hunger and thirst for righteousness and hatred for lawlessness and for darkness in our life, O Lord. Oh, Jesus, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. Oh, Jesus, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. mercy. Mercy, Lord. Mercy. Mercy, Lord. Just pray this morning. You know? Just cry out to God this morning. Just cry out to God. Just take a few minutes and say, Lord, come. Visit me, O oh Lord. Visit me. If the worship team can come, we'll sing that song. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Be to our God forever ever and ever. Hallelujah, Lord. And even as they come, I just want you to... Just spend a few minutes. Examine your heart. Ask God to show where you are divided. Can one of you please come? Worship team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch Lord. Touch Lord. Touch. Touch Lord. Touch. Touch. Touch your people. Then just don't go back without pouring your heart without pouring your heart to Jesus this morning whatever is troubling you whatever is troubling you whatever is your desire this morning lay it at the altar seek you seek the giver and not the gift
1: salvation belongs to our God sense the to
0: writer says let the beauty of Jesus be seen in him in me all his wondrous compassion and purity oh thou spirit divine all my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me morning i just want to send you with that blessing that you would desire the beauty of jesus to be seen in you all his wondrous compassion all his purity will be found in you and you will allow the spirit of the living god to refine your character till the beauty of jesus flows through each one of our lives Oh Lord, bless us to that hand this morning, oh Lord, that we will desire to see beauty inside of us. Father, just as your son, it says about him, in, in him was light and that light was the life of men and the light shined in darkness, but Darkness was not able to comprehend it. He came to the world which he created. But they did not know him. And he came to his own. But they rejected him. Because they did not see any beauty outside of him. They were not able to see the beauty inside of him. But as many as received him. He gave them all the authority. The right to be called the children of God. So that each one of them can be conformed to the image of your son oh lord I pray that this will be the desire of our heart this morning oh lord bless us to that end we pray thank you lord we praise you we worship you lord to you and you alone belong glory, honor, praise and majesty in Jesus mighty name amen may the grace of our lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us even as we seek Him in our lives. In Jesus name.